Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. We're in a series and we're discussing, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 John. And uh, we're actually in verse 6. And verse 6 is taking a little bit longer. Um, actually, everything I do takes a little bit longer. Let's be, let's be honest, right? <laughs> um, there's just so much good things in the scripture. Um, I, I get excited about the word of God. So many good things. Um, and so we've, we've worked our way. We actually got through 1 John chapter 1. Of course, it was only 10 verses long. So that helps. 1 John chapter 2 is 29 verses long. So at least we're not doing Psalms 119. I think Rick was going to bite off that one, but I. <laughs> so, um, but there's so many good. Uh, I mean, you know, I actually have a verse by verse study through Ephesians. I'm almost done with it. That's six chapters. I, I teach the book of Ephesians in the in BF Breakforth Bible Institute. And so I've had to do that. I have a verse by verse with Philippians, and I'm working on, uh, I want to do Colossians really bad. I love Colossians. Uh, there's so many good things in the scripture. Sometimes people hear that and they think, well, I would just be bored. <laughs> you never get bored hanging out with Jesus. It's impossible. He knows everything about everything. And so when your faith's in operation, the Bible comes alive. Because this isn't just words, this is a man. This is the Godhead. Now, you say, the book? No, we don't worship a book. But this is his letter to us. Okay? And so, uh, and people of faith, which we have around here, I mean, we're faith people. That's who we is. Now, if you're not, you're not saved, but we can solve that. Because you, be you can't be a believer and be an unbeliever. An unbelieving believer is, is a contradiction, right? So you didn't get in unless you were born again. You only got born again by faith, so we're faith people. Well, this book is full of faith. And individual instruction or individual instruction by verse is a big deal because it keeps context of the Scripture in place, okay? Sometimes it can seem like, well, we're studying. We're studying. Yeah, but you're not just studying. You're not just getting knowledge. You're, you're receiving truth that is beyond this world. It's eternal in value. In fact, and we read this before, but Proverbs says it's more valuable than the most valuable things on the planet. Gold, silver, rubies, precious stones, whatever you can come up with, there's nothing more valuable than the wisdom that's here. Now, if the people that believe that and access it, experience it. The people that mock and ridicule or look at it in a kind of despising way, they'll get nothing from it. Um, it, takes, it takes exercising, it takes, uh, I should say it this way, it takes focus and discipline and a purposeful exercising of your faith to continually receive understanding about things in your relationship with the Lord. 
You have to continue in focus. You know, we talk about Bible reading programs. We talk about or, or schedules that we have and all of those different things that we do. We don't just do it because we need something to do. In other words, I just need to get you into a pattern so that you'll stay at the church. I, can't, I don't have the power to keep you here. And I gave up on that long time ago. You know what I mean? You're either going to walk with the Lord because you choose to or you're not. Amen. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to choose to whether you do or not. And last time I checked, one with God is a majority. <laughs> right? And I'm not saying you're not going to. That's not what I'm implying at all. That's not what I'm saying about you. I'm just saying there has to be a day in your life where you decide this ain't my dad's religion. I don't serve God because my dad did. It helped. But guess what? I know Jesus now. Amen? I don't serve God because my family did. I don't serve God because of things that previously my family did. I serve him because he's my God. Now, those things also, they encourage, they help. But every parent knows this in here. Eventually, your child is going to decide which direction they're going to go. So you want to know the Lord for yourself because when it comes time to pray, when it comes time to deal with things in life, relationship and fellowship with the Lord is a big deal. And so knowing the word is a big deal. Reading the word is a big deal. Even if you don't feel like you're getting anything, you are. Anybody ever have your doctor tell you you need to eat more vegetables? Or you need to eat more? You don't go to the doctor then. So... <laughs> <laughs> or you need to eat more whatever. Something that's going to help you, right? <laughs> ice cream, yeah, ice cream. What doctor are you going to? <laughs> Dr. Seuss. All right, so. <laughs> no, whatever it is, they may say you, you have a lack of something in your diet. If you've ever taken vitamins or if you've ever eaten things to get a, more of a particular nutrient in your body, you don't necessarily feel the difference right away. Well, sometimes the Word of God's that way. Sometimes it just takes time. And a whole lot of people don't want to invest the patience. But God is not Burger King. What do you mean by that? He's not a drive through God is not a reel on Instagram. Do you, have you ever noticed social media stuff can only be so long? And then it stops. And if you want to watch the rest of it, you have to click on the thing to let it go further. In other words, they're training your attention span to be short. God is seed time harvest. God is so water increase. That's how he is. And what I found out about the Lord over the years is that um, if you are willing to wait, the payoff will be better in the end. If you're willing to wait, and patience is the test, uh, you actually have no more faith than you do patience. You want me to prove it to you? You want me to quote a scripture? It is through faith and that we inherit the promises of God. 
One of the number one things that takes Christians, young Christians out, immature, younger, baby Christians, is they don't have the patience. They don't stick. They don't stay with it because familiarity or familiar spirits come back and they draw people back to where they were before. And it's in some respects, your flesh is comfortable with it. Because you think, well, uh, what am I doing? I'm just reading my word. I'm just praying. I mean, uh, what's going on? I I don't see anything changing yet. But what you don't realize is, is actually one of the greatest things ever is being built in or strengthened in you. And it's called endurance. The culture is now, 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 now. God is, hey, do you want to have stability? Slow down. Slow down. And as you do, and you learn to walk with the Lord, he actually brings manifestation or harvest or the things that you're longing for in bigger chunks than you could ever acquire them on your own. It's just literally the case. It's just the case, right? So he functions that way. So when we're going verse by verse, you got to realize this is getting in you. It's becoming a part of you. And then when you need it, it comes out of you, right? So um, let's exercise our faith. So we're in 1 John 2, 6. And we were, we've been reading through 1 John um, chapter 2 and going verse by verse here and just talking about the different things that John addresses to the church. We know that 1 John was written to the church, but verse 6 says, He who says he abides in him ought, also, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. We talked about what walking is, and we've looked at different verses. There were several that we went over that discussed this idea of walking. But the idea of walking is, is how you conduct your life. So what he's basically saying is this. He who says that he abides in Jesus ought to walk just as Jesus walked. In other words, I'm to take the steps or follow the steps that Jesus took in his life. I'm to live the way he demonstrated life and the way he operated. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says this. It talks about that fact that we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. Now, most people know that verse. Ephesians 4.17. Let's go over there to Ephesians 4.17. I'm not going to comment on walking by faith and not by sight. I think you probably get that uh, for where we're at, at least in this teaching. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 17, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk. So this is a don't walk this way. Okay, you should no longer walk as the rest of the what Gentiles walk. Now, now Paul's not saying here, um, you know, he's not pointing out a a particular ethnicity. This is everybody that's not a Jew. So if you're not actually a physical Jew, how many is a how many is how many know it's good English? How many know that you have Jewish uh, blood in you? So everybody except for one person, two people, three people. Yeah, it has to be you. No, you, Jesus, don't tell me Jesus. <laughs> I'm talking you actually come from Jewish background. You're going to tell me Jesus. I could have answered that. <laughs> All right, we'll put it to you like this. There's the Jews. Gentiles refers to every other ethnicity. 
All right? So basically what he's saying is, is don't walk like the world. Okay? He says, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the what? Futility of their mind. Now the word futility, and this is what we were, a little bit of what we were just talking about, but it means devoid of truth. The word futility means devoid of truth or, this is interesting, transientness. What do we call a transient, right? So they're devoid of truth, okay? Devoid of truth, futility. So the thought would be to be stable in truthful thinking. Don't walk in futility, walk in stability, okay? So what does that mean? That means that you want to have truth in your noggin, right? <clears throat> Whatever you renew your mind with will become your words. Whatever becomes your words will direct your walk. Because you speak, you're, you're actually, and James points this out so well, we've studied it before, but James points this out, whatever you, your, your tongue is a rudder, your tongue is a steering wheel. Your tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth. It will direct you in the way that you're supposed to go. Now, a lot of times people will do this when they think carnally about Scripture. They think, yeah, well, I tried saying the right thing for like a whole day, and it didn't change me at all. Do you turn your vehicle that quick? Sometimes you have to turn, and it takes what? It takes everything about turning a ship around. Do you just go, oh, I want to go the other direction, wham. And turn the other way. No, it takes time. It takes, you've got you've to take a moving object and turn it around. Well, how are you going to do that? One of the ways you're going to do it is get the futility out of your mind. Get the transient thinking out of your mind. So if I'm not a transient thinker, that means I have stability, a home. Exactly where it's headed. I have a home. Where's my home? The truth. So when a thought comes to you and it's outside of this truth, you can say, oh no, I don't leave home for those things. Yeah. It'll help you walk straight and narrow, right? I don't go, I don't go to those places in my thinking because that's futility in thinking. That's, uh, 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 that's devoid of truth, so there's no stability in it. I don't want to have an unstable life, so I'm changing the way I think. And I'm going to walk in line with truth. So what do we see here? A renewed mind or a mind that is stable in truth results in a life that is stable. How many would like a stable life? Now, I am not telling you you'll have a problem-free life. I'm telling you you'll have a stable life. In other words, in the midst of a storm, a ship has what in order to stabilize it in that storm? An anchor. You weigh anchor. What is the anchor? This is the anchor. You weigh anchor. How many have been through a faith fight and you stood on a scripture? Actually, we say we stand onto that, that scripture and we say, you know, we held on to it. Um, in faith, it held on to you. You know what I mean by that? Because you're not the anchor. The word is the anchor. In other words, these situations are going to turn out the way they're supposed to because God said so. 
and I'm holding to what he said. And as long as I hold to what he said, the devil cannot pull me off of it and get me going in another direction. I'm not going to be unstable in the way that I live. So you're not wandering from place to place. You're a stable believer. You're a stable Christian. When the parents, when parents have stability of truth, the kids don't wonder what's going to happen in the house. They have routine. Do you know what I mean by that? They don't wonder, is this going to, are we going to be, is our mom and dad going to be okay today? Or are we going to have, uh, 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 or am I going to come home to a mess or am I going to come home to stability? When you have stable thinking, you're, you, it actually changes what's available in the spirit world to hang out in your home. Do you know demons don't hang out in my home? And sometimes people think, well, you're so militant on these things. I know, because Jesus is militant on them. He's absolutely militant. He is so, he so desires that we uh, function in a place where we control the atmosphere in our homes or wherever our foot treads, that he went all the way to hell and whipped the devil so that we could have that victory. So when the, when the enemy comes to you and tries to bring unstable things to you, you say, no, I don't walk that way. In the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, devil, you leave. I'm standing on truth. Now you're in for a fight. And the fight is not seeing if you can build up enough of God's power to remove the enemy out of your life. The fight is not there. The fight is the devil wants to see if you're going to hold to the truth or not. This is not, have you ever seen those uh, pictures of Jesus arm wrestling the devil? That is not what happens in the spirit. That's a, I guess, a cute thing, whoever came up with it. But that is not what is going on in the spirit. When Jesus shows up, demons hit the dirt. They cry out for fear. They don't run up in Jesus' face going, hit me, I dare you, hit me. None of that happens. They tremble in terror. In terror. Now, if you and I understood who was in us, I heard a testimony about Smith Wigglesworth years ago. And uh, he, he kept hearing this noise in the basement of his house. And he went down there, and the devil was down there. His testimony. And he looked at the devil, and he goes, oh, it's you. And he went back upstairs and went to bed. <laughs> if you know you have the authority, right? What is that? That's understanding that's made a, a, a soul, a mind, what? Stable. Stable. I know who I am in Christ. My identity is in him. It's not in who I used to be or in the desires of my flesh or, who, uh, or what somebody said about me years ago or what was put into me by such and such a circumstance or these people or misunderstand, whatever it is. My, the defining of me is Christ. It's not everything else around me. 
I'm not, my mission in life, who I am, is not defined by everything around me. It's not defined by trials and tribulations. It's not defined by religious background or upbringing. It's not defined by abuse or neglect or addiction or no. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm defined by what he says about me. Now, here's the thing. Most Christians never get this. They know they're going to heaven when they die, and that's it. You know what I found out? If you're going to live in this type of understanding and, and from this place with the Lord, it is a fight. How many have noticed that strongholds are called strongholds for a reason? And truth is like, it's almost like a sledgehammer at times. You're pounding away at that lie, and it's a mighty weapon. And it, it will do exactly what it says it will do. And again, it's not God necessarily that we're waiting on. It's us coming to the place where we finally go, yep, that's it. And you don't vacillate back and forth between faith and fear. Right? It's a big deal. So we know this. Jesus' walk or life in ministry, his whole ministry was very stable and grounded in the truth. All right, let's look at another one about walking. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, and 7. 2 Thessalonians, that's to the right of Ephesians in your Bible. If you go the other direction, you won't find it. <laughs> it's right before Timothy. I never learned the Bible song, you know, the Bible book song, whatever it is. If I, actually, it's possible that I did, but I didn't pay attention. I actually, you know, it's funny. I, we, well, I was raised at Faith Chapel, and uh, or that's where we went to church. I, I wasn't raised there. You know, we were there frequently. <laughs> They're like, lock him up in Faith Chapel. He needs it. Hopefully, he'll come out okay. Um, and actually, we've had uh, some of the uh, children's church teachers have come to the church. To visit, you know, because I was their worst nightmare. <laughs> I was a pain in children's church, big time. And one lady I was talking to out here, I don't even remember who was standing with me. And I said, I was a pain in church, wasn't I? And she said, yes. <laughs> you... <laughs> anyway, all right. So, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. This is a way not to walk. Paul says this, But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks what? And not according to the tradition which he received from us. Verse 7 says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. If you kind of skip down to verse... Um, 14, I believe it is. Uh, it says this in verse 14, and if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with, with them or him, that he may be ashamed. I always find this funny. I love to read the Bible, and then I see something where I've heard people say, Well, you should never, you should never want, you should never shame anybody. Now, I understand what they're saying. I get it. But what does that say? I mean, 
You know, if Paul really understood love, he wouldn't say nothing like that. (laughs) I love it. I'm not just trying to fight. I mean, I want to know the truth. You know what I mean? (laughs) But do you see that? That's it. Now watch this. Now, this is what he's talking about here in verse 15. He says, yet do not count him as an enemy. So don't treat him as an enemy, but what? As a brother. Admonish him. Oh, no, I I would never do that. Well, then you're disobedient to the Bible. Well, that's the preacher's job. That's not what it says. I know they would like to make every... There are people that would like to make everything the preacher's job. But that's not what it says. It's, It's if me and Mike are brothers in Christ and I do something that I shouldn't, Mike should tell me, you can't do that. That's not right. Now, I have a choice at that point, right? I can go, well, Mike's not that spiritual anyway. (laughs) Don't you love role-playing but not being able to say anything? It's the best. (laughs) Or I can go, you know what? I'm ashamed of that, but I got to change. Now, he's not counting me. You know, some people, you correct them, and they think you're, that you're counting. They make you an enemy. They receive no correction from anybody, only individually from Jesus and the Holy Ghost in their own personal prayer closet. I'm just preaching the truth, that's all. Especially in spirit-filled circles. Oh, my gosh. It's bad. Well, I have the Holy Ghost too. Yeah, and he would say something like that. <laughs> I know, it just burns, doesn't it? It just hits, hits down in where the rubber meets the road. <laughs> Nobody can tell me anything. Right. We get it. <laughs> and you say, you've actually had this? Yeah. You say, well, are the people still in the church? No. And it's not because I kicked them out. I didn't do nothing. They just realized I wasn't going to give on that particular thing if it was based in truth, right? And, and, and according to order and leadership and all of those things. They removed themselves. I've noticed something about those people that Christians, and I'm not saying they're not Christians. They are Christians. But they never get past, they never grow up, they never get free. Because in order to get free, you have to be able to humble yourself. And humility requires that if Mike comes to me and says something that bothers me, it's okay that it bothers me. That's part of the... How many have emotions in here? The rest of you are lying. Okay, so... (laughs) Everybody has emotions. How many just love it when you're told you're wrong? Especially when you've worked yourself up to be right. And I may hear it and go, well, I don't want to hear that. But if I have a right heart, I'll walk away and I'll say, okay, Lord, is this true? Here's, here's something that, uh, that uh, we as strong believers should avoid and, and stop in our thinking right away. Well, they were right, but I didn't like the way they said it. Oh, so right can be... Uh, shoved to the side if it's not delivered just the way I thought it should. 
Nope, I don't see that. I see where Jesus said, listen, don't act the way they did, but you listen to what the Pharisees said because they're right. Hello? Is it true or not? Well, I would have done the right thing, but that, this, this, my boss didn't treat me. My spouse didn't say it in just the right tones. My, it was disrespectful. Okay, they need to own that. But was it true about me? Ooh, it stings. Like, there are emotions in you that you didn't even know you had. It's like you, you, you discovered a new part of your being <laughs> that you didn't know was there before. And that's when we take that truth and go, okay, we got to settle this in. Okay, just to make it more fun, let's really get into this verse. Disorderly means irregularly. This is what it means. It's actually a military term. Out of ranks is what it means. It says, but we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from those, this is verse 6, from every brother who walks disorderly, who what? Walks out of rank. Now think military. Do privates, private first class military guys run around telling their superiors what to do? That would make them out of what? And would they be disciplined? Okay. Would it be okay that they were disciplined? Yeah, but we live in a culture that says no. And we really live in a church world that says no. Well, I'm under Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed this. There are ranks in the body. Now, people say, people love to quote this verse, and it is true. We are to submit one to, right? But there are ranks in the body. God has established people at higher rank when it comes to kingdom function than others. Can I ask you something? Is there rank in your physical body? Are there in your physical body, people don't like thinking about this, it, it feels like it's contradictory to the reality of who we are in Christ, but actually it's directly a part of how we are in Christ. So can I ask you something? Is it, it, would it be worse to lose your pinky finger or your lungs? <laughs> See, you have no problem identifying rank in that, right? We have no problem identifying rank in that. But when it comes to other things, some scriptural things, then, ooh. So the question then becomes, do I want to grow up spiritually and, and operate in a high level of maturity and fellowship with the Lord, or do I want to be treated just right? Do, do I only receive truth? Now, I'm not saying... That if I'm a harsh person, that I have the right to run around correcting people harshly. That's wrong of me. That's sin. I need to repent. I need to apologize if I do it. I had somebody so lovingly tell me years ago when I was at Bible college, Sean, you seem like a guy that takes a bazooka when all you need is a fly swatter. <laughs> Dang it. <sighs> I blame the McFarlands. It's because I'm Scottish. 
It's because I'm Norwegian. It's because I'm blah, 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 blah. No, it's because I'm carnal. I'm carnal. And you know what's worse? I had knowledge. I was like a like a toad swelling up, just whoop. Haven't you seen the puffer fish? Ooh, man. And you say, well, what did God do with you? He took me through things that humbled me. We were still on 1 John 2, 6, and I've got 10 minutes left. Would you listen faster, please? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We just want the truth. It doesn't matter. We're going to be here till the rapture or whatever anyway. So, you know, yeah, okay. Are you getting anything? Is it stinging a little bit? Or is it just me that's stinging right now? (laughs) All right. And I thought, oh, man, I've got to change that. Now, I can't not be who I am. You know what I mean? Like different people up here teaching are going to be, or minister, you're going to get different personalities. So my personality doesn't need to be warped. It needs to be transformed by the word. Right? So it's not okay, even though, you know, I was raised, you know, with comments like my grandpa would say to me, you need a shot in the rear end with a square needle. It just seems like it would hurt worse than a round needle. You know what I mean? A square needle seems worse. Have you ever seen a square needle? I haven't either. (laughs) Or if, you know, you're working or whatever and you're not working fast enough, you get what? You get kicked, right? (laughs) You know, or getting, not that this happened a lot, but it was just, it was, you, you, you grow up in, we all grow up in different environments and we develop ways of doing things, but they're disorderly when it comes to kingdom activity. Well, I'm just gonna share my opinion about this. Well, I have an opinion and I have a right to my opinion. What scripture are you standing on? Which scripture did you read that says you have a right to have an opinion? Well, I'm an American, bless God. I'm a Christian. How do you know? It says in God we trust on the money. Now, that's not how it works. It can be engraved anywhere, but not everywhere and not on your heart, and you'll still miss God. Right? So what is, what's the solution then? I have to change the way I... Think, I have to get disorderly thoughts out, then I get disorderly words out, then I get a life with stability rather than disorder. Well, nobody respects me. Well, how many people do you respect? That's tough, isn't it? But I'm telling you, if the the reality is, you know, we love the scriptures that talk about financial needs being met, bodies being healed, all of those things. But sometimes I don't think we realize that all those scriptures are tied to these ones. Like if you pull the thread on one, does that make sense? If you, if you just pull one, well, uh, you know, I, 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 people, people don't know, uh, you know, uh, they, they, don't, they don't speak truth to me the way I like it. Well, how do you speak truth? Why do, we, why do we get what we get? So disorderly means this. It also means deviating from the prescribed order or rule. 
Watch this. This, actually, this is how this word is actually used um, in 2 Thessalonians here. But it says, signifies disorderly with slackness, like soldiers not keeping rank. It is said of those in the church who refused to work but became busybodies. Now, if you go over to 1 Timothy 5, which I'm not going to go there right now. But it talked about people who would not work. And Paul, who is so loving, said those who don't work shouldn't eat. He didn't send them to a government program or start a food pantry. He said, get up and get a job. Now, you're talking about Christians People that he, it wasn't written to the lost. It was written to who? The saved. Now, it doesn't, I, I, I found this in the scripture. It doesn't mention anything about, you know, if the pay is fair or not. It doesn't, and you say, how can that be? Because this is, this is what's so wonderful. And we started with this at the beginning. God loves faith. And when you believe him and you do what you're supposed to do, he doesn't care who signs your paycheck. He'll get you what you need. Now watch, something better happens than anything. He, not only will he get you what you need, he won't let you complain about your bad pay. He'll supply you with what you need. You'll grow in faith and patience and You'll bless the one who's not paying you what they should. Now watch, what is that? That is spiritual development. Because spiritual development isn't about... Let me, I'll just say it this way. Winning victories in Christ is not proving everybody else wrong. That is not spiritual. That is actually carnal and weak. Come on, preach with me here just a little bit. I know sometimes we live in a culture that's this way. You know, the best way to get over people that are haters is to prove yourself a success. And then they look at you in jealousy. But see, I've actually heard preachers say stuff like that. That is not success in Christianity. Now, should you succeed even though there are haters? Yes, but actually you should succeed. And then when you turn around and that person is standing there looking at you going, I need help. You need to go, man, I'm here for you. Let's pray about it. Here's some help. I was in your position once. And you don't go, I was in your position once and you tore me down. And so, ha, God loves me more. And you walk on. That's not what you do. Sorry, Dale. Yeah. It's like, you need some windshield wipers on your... You know what I mean? That's not success. Success is you don't even mention how they did you wrong. Because you walked in love. I walked in love, and love takes no account of a wrong suffered. What is that? That is not living in a religious system. That's living supernaturally. There's only one way. That people can do that. And it's by the resurrection of Christ within. 
people look at that and they go, it has to be God. How else would somebody do that? Right? It's not disorderly. It's not disorderly. We read 2 Thessalonians 3.14 and we saw the same thing. Paul talks about them and being aware of these things. Now, I want to say this with this and end with this just on another really high note. <laughs> it's a good thing the Lord gives me humor. Because I don't, you know, none of the jokes are in the notes. You know what I mean by that? I mean, they just come out. It just happens. I don't even know how. I'm just up here available and they come out. He's like, that guy's brain is wired in such a way we can make this okay. Okay, so... <laughs> I've watched this happen, and we need to guard against this, okay? Now, do we count people as enemies? No. But we're talking about walking circumspectly, right? We're talking about walking as Jesus walked. Now, there are those in Christian circles that are not careful about who they hang out with. Now, I'm not talking about outside the church. Inside the church. Now, I've watched this happen specifically. Now, think about this with me. Years ago when I was a youth pastor, I watched this happen. I've seen it in people that are just saved, that are very zealous for the Lord. I've seen it in, not that we should alienate ourselves from the world, but you need to be careful about who you give a lot of influence, influence and time to in your, in your life, okay? I'm talking about believers and those that are non-believers, both. I'm talking about inside the church and what? Outside the church, right? So... We need to be careful about this. I've watched this happen. Like I've had people come to me that have a background in maybe a particular addiction or, you know, they're, they're, they've associated with different people at times that got them into a lot of trouble. And they've come to me and said, I know that the Lord has called me to minister to these people. And I've not only heard this, but I've given this advice. I've said, well, let's just wait and get you grown up first before we send you back in. And, and, and especially new believers, we have this, we, I had this when I was a new believer, but there's this mentality of, we got to go now. Well, I'm going to help you with something. God knows where your friends live. Pray for them. Because what I've watched happen mostly is people actually go back to what they were in. Do you want to know why? Because they know they had a change in their heart, but the familiarity of the demonic activity in that realm is still associated in their head. Their emotions, their feelings, everything are more conditioned that direction, and the enemy is able to smooth talk them back into that world. Then he does this very trick. He turns around and says, well, you've, sinned it. you've blown it now. Jesus ain't going to take you back. You might as well just go off the deep end. And I've watched people do it. The second thing is associations in the church. And that's specifically what Paul is talking about. He's saying, watch out for people in the church that live disorderly. What do you mean by that? They don't live to the standard of Christ. Now, do we shun those people? No, we don't shun them. Do we count them as evil? No, the scripture says we don't count them as evil. But we don't give them immense amount of intimacy. You cannot. 
Now, I've watched people do this out of, even with their kids, everything. I've watched people do it through the years. I've watched teens do it. It's just, it happens. Now, I don't, because I can't say that I read that verse and I knew to do this. I just knew in my heart, I want to go to a high level in you, Lord. So who do I need to associate with? It seems elitist, but it's not. Because it only turns into elitism if the person that's trying to be like the Lord uh, starts acting like they don't even love people anymore. But did you know that Jesus, he didn't just allow everybody to be a disciple close to him? (laughs) This is going to challenge some thinking here. So you really need to listen and then you need to take time and pray about it, okay? But Jesus had 12 disciples, right? One of them turned out to be a devil, right? Okay, because he chose that, not because God predestined it for him. That's another teaching. (laughs) So I'm just going to drop that bomb on you and then leave you. You'll be fine. (laughs) But Jesus had three that were even closer than that. I love what Mark, Heidi has quoted this so many times, and it's just stuck with me, what Mark Hankin said. You'll get certain places with the Lord because you believe God. You trust God. And then there are some places with the Lord you'll get to go because he trusts you. People say, oh, no, no, no. We are one because of the blood of Jesus. Yes, you are. You are one. But you can be married and not know each other. (laughs) I know it's frustrating because it sounds like you're earning something. But you're not earning salvation. You're developing fellowship. So if I want to go to a high place in the Lord or have an intimate relationship with him, not only do I need to be aware of who I'm around, but then I need to be aware, very aware of how I, how I walk with the Lord. That I'm in tune with his spirit and aware of him. And this is not a condemning thing. It's not a weird, uh, it can turn, people can turn it into a religious thing, but it's not. When you're in a relationship with somebody, you're not concerned about the relationship being broken when it's good. You're not concerned, when a, when a relationship and fellowship is good, you're not concerned that the one person is going to leave the other when it's healthy. When it's unhealthy, you can have that. So you can have a binding contract through a marriage, but it doesn't mean you have fellowship. It means you have a relationship. Now, the wonderful thing about this is is Jesus and God are perfect. So I only need to work on one end. Moi. Right? Now, I'm going to prove this to you by a scripture before we go. But I want you to see this. There's this twisted sense of Christian love in people where they feel like in order to love this person, I just need to do or let them be whatever they are around me. No, you don't. You don't. And people say, well, you're just not, you just don't love God. Read the verses. What does it say? It says if there are people that walk and live disorderly, what? Let me, let me read it again. Uh, verse uh, 2 Thessalonians 3. Whoop. You're all right. should bounce back. All right. Verse 6 says, But we command you, brother, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you what? Withdraw from every brother or sister, it doesn't matter, Christian, who walks what? Disorderly. 
and not according to the tradition which they received from us. So Paul demonstrated a particular lifestyle to people, specifically the church. This is not the world. You can't expect the world to walk orderly. They don't even have order in them. This is the church. Well, there's no expectations. God loves me just the way I am. No, he loves you in spite of the way you is. And me. He loves us unconditionally. That's what grace is. But it doesn't, if he loves me with truth, he won't look at me and go, oh, it's okay. Go ahead and act like that, Ryan. I know it's going to destroy your life, but I just love you. I just love you. I just squeeze your cheeks. That is not God. God will look down and go, Mike, stop that. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your wife. It's going to hurt your kids. Now, people say, well, I did it and I messed it up. Then you go back to this. He'll go, all right, child of God, let's get into the prayer thing. All right, here's some areas where you need to address with your family where you missed it and you know you did. You need to apologize. You need to admit it. You need to hold. You need to hold to truth and admit you were wrong and then say, all right, we're going a different direction now. God is the restorer. He brings back everything that was stolen and we're believing for full restoration. Amen? Amen? But as spiritual development takes place, there's this process of repentance. Now skip down to verse number 13, actually number 14. And if any one of you does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person. Is this being critical and judgmental? But see, it is called that in the church. Do you want to know why? Because people don't know these verses. People don't realize that there are standards in, in maturity and development that need to take place before certain levels of things can be walked in. Just because we're gifted doesn't mean we have a right to stand in that office. It doesn't mean it. What has to be proven? Character, right? So like even with our friendships, I'm not saying be hard or harsh. I'm not saying, saying be rude. But do you want to stunt your own spiritual development for the sake of waiting for somebody else? Or would you rather go on with the Lord and develop and they'll go, hey, come on, we got to go this direction. Well, they don't want to do that. Well, then separate yourself. Ooh, we could get into some stuff, couldn't we? Well, it's a good thing we got next week. I am so excited. And you say, you say, really? Yeah, you guys realize that I don't have to hit these verses? I could skip them? Because they're hard. They're hard to teach. They're hard to preach. You say, why? Because you should see some of your faces. <laughs> In other words, I don't want... I was talking to Pastor Jeremy Vester today. And we were talking about some things with the rally and stuff like that and we're just discussing. And I was saying to him, I said, I said, I was just telling him, I was saying, man, you know, I want to go to another level. I'm not satisfied where I'm at. And I'm not talking about I need a bigger ministry. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about I want to know Jesus I want to know him. I, want, I am 
not jealous in a negative way, but salivating over the way some people have had fellowship with Jesus. And I want that. And then I read verses like this, and I'm like, Lord. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly how it works. Well, they're not going to like me. That's part of being intimate with Jesus is having people. Well, they're not going to understand me. I don't even understand me. I might as well go with the guy that does. <laughs> well, they're going to leave the church. They're going to leave the, they're going to, they're going to think if I don't do this, they'll be mad at me. That is not a leading so you're in a relationship where you're controlled by their anger. That is not freedom. Well, if I leave, then I'll have nobody. You'll have Jesus, and he's everything. And then he'll lead you to a place where you have plenty of other people who what? Want to live in that place. And that place takes faith. That's only 1 John 2.6. And I didn't even get through all my notes, which I'm going to skip them. <laughs> all right, let me give you the scripture and we'll close. Andrew Womack said this in his living commentary. We're to walk as Jesus walked. He said, there should be no contest over this truth from any of us who are truly born again. As 1 John 3, 3 says, every man that hath this hope in him. In other words, every man that's born again, right? Now watch this purifieth himself. Well, I thought Jesus purified me all the way. Woo-wee! We're having fun, aren't we? All the grace people. We're just having so much fun. I love this. This is Andrew Womack's commentary. This is the grace guy's commentary. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he, just as he is pure. In other words, what? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. In other words, what? Just because I'm pure in the spirit doesn't mean it's over. I still have to renew my mind and crucify my body. He goes on to say this. Jesus is our example. And all of us Christians, the word means little Christ if you didn't know that. Christians, the word means little Christ, should act just like Jesus as much as possible. Then he said this, we will never do that perfectly, but that should be the, the direction we are headed. We won't arrive in this life, but we can at least leave and head in that direction. Come on, how many want to be more mature by this time next year? You are walking with Jesus Woo! And people, I'm telling you, you guys, God's doing things in my life. It blows my mind. I don't deserve it. It's not even possible. I went and prayed for a friend of mine uh, that I used to smoke weed with. I mean, I used to live so riotously with him. I actually lived in his house. You guys know the, uh, the gentleman that, it was in the news, he got, somebody broke into his house and shot him. Well, that's my friend. My friend was the one that was shot. And uh, I got invited to go up and minister to him. And so I did. And his sister reports back to me, because I know his sister real well too. 
and uh, that God has just done so many things for him since I was able to visit. He, he hadn't stopped talking about the Lord. You know, I tried to preach to these guys, and they went, yeah. but 20 years later, hey, because I didn't get off the horse. I hate the devil. And while I'm sitting there, another one of my friends walks in that I haven't seen in years. And he looked at me and he goes, what? And I gave him my number. I mean, I'm the crazy one. You do realize that. I'm the one that went off the rails. And I'm so glad I did. Because I believe God for those guys. I've been praying for him for years. Not every day. You understand what I mean? I mean, God's doing things. Just, it's amazing. Well, I don't know about you, but I want to go even further off the rails. Out of, what I mean by that is out of this world system and walk like Jesus. I want to see everything he can do. And if that means that I have to pick uh, and be careful about who I hang out with or what I do, how I live my life, and what I give my time to, then it's worth it. And I'm not going to get offended. Amen? Father, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. Lord, we purpose to go deep with you. And to walk the way you've asked us to walk. Lord, we will be lights. We will be salt and light. But our main relationships, our depth of relationship will always be with you first. And then those who you show that we can be close with. And Lord, we will not count those that are still growing and developing and maybe aren't as far along. along. We won't count them as enemies, Lord but we'll continue to admonish and love them and encourage them in the direction of fellowship and intimacy with you just as we are growing in and developing in as well. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.